to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast if you're live. Uh, this has been a like 10-second break. If you're not live, it's been a whole 24 hours. How you been? We missed you so much. Uh, we are in the middle of our conference preview series. We're going through every single conference in all of Division One college football. That means the FBS and the FCS both. Uh, we're currently working through the FBS group of five. We have three down. This is another one right here for you. We're going to be talking about the Sun Belt today, which has undergone quite a bit of change recently, and it's going to be very fun to talk about. I am, of course, joined by the lovely, beautiful Bug. And oh yeah, we are missing Tugalicious uh, for work reasons. It's only it's only me and Bug. Unfortunately, have to do. <laughs> is what it is <laughs> is what it is but do you have anything to say before we jump right on into the Sun Belt conference no i mean it's uh this is our second best by our estimation group of five conference and there's a lot of people out there and i mean a lot of people that would argue that this is the best conference in the group of five it's gotta be up there as the most exciting conference in the group of five i and i think they have a tremendous claim to that especially this season with all the changes that are going on for our top group of five conference which if you've been keeping up you know which conference we're talking about and if you don't we'll see you live on thursday or on friday for the audio uh to let you know who we think the top group of five conference is until then, also, though, it's not hard to figure it out because this is the fourth of five, so it's the yeah. other one. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> Just go look at our episode lineup. You'll figure it out pretty right. quick, I hope. Right. I mean, it, unless you don't know what the conferences are, in which case, you know, stay tuned. You'll learn a thing or two. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a pleasant surprise for you. <laughs> but let's start off with what was one of the most exciting teams in this conference has cooled off a little bit. And uh, thanks to two wins against FCS teams last year, they were not bowl eligible looking to get back to a bowl game this year. We're talking about Appalachian State. Yeah, Appalachian State is led by head coach Sean Clark heading into his fifth season with the team. Appalachian State is also one of the wildest stories of last year, beating Texas A&M, also beating two FCS schools, therefore being ineligible for a bowl game, even though they were six and six. Uh, which is the minimum record for a bowl game. So they beat an SEC school, lost to most everybody else in Division One, three and five <laughs> in the conference. Like that's that doesn't compute in my brain. I know uh, that's how bad Jimbo Fisher has made the Texas A and M Aggies. <laughs> that and all that uh, that dirty oil money, right? But uh, it it has to be said, the Mountaineers are one of the most exciting teams to watch on a week-to-week basis simply because of the unpredictability and because of the pure speed they have at so many different positions. They are legitimately scary for like the complete opposite reasons of if you listen to our Mountain West preview, what we talked about with Wyoming will just come in and beat you up on the trenches. Uh, Appalachian state gets around you very quickly and probably has one of the best kick returners slash punt returners in the nation. They do that consistently on offense too. It feels like they're returning punts out there instead of catching 
pass is deep. It's weird. It just, it works that way. Uh, but also, at the same time as I'm saying that, two of my three offensive players to watch for Appalachian State are the center and right guard, Isaiah Helms and Bucky Williams. Maybe with a decent helping of interior offensive line, this running game can get going very strong. Nate Noel is solid back there at the position. And when Appalachian State has been conference contenders, legitimately, it's been in a dual threat of that running game being very, very solid as well. We haven't seen that past two years, and we haven't seen Appalachian State compete for the conference the last two years. So this very well could be a different story this season. And I think their non-conference schedule this year to start out the year is going to be very telling. Of course, they've got kind of a gimme against Gardner-Webb to start off the season, but then North Carolina is going to be an interesting one. That's going to be... You say a gimme against Gardner-Webb. They were a playoff team last year. Uh, Yes, I know. I know. It's it's Appalachian State. Anything's possible. They (laughs) they put it as a gimme, and uh, that's what they were hoping for, at least. And then you got to play North Carolina. So, potentially looking at one and one. But then the next two games are really going to be a litmus test of how they compare on the national level, going up against ECU and Wyoming splitting playing uh the pirates at home and going out to laramie for that one it's going to be very interesting to see how they come out of the non-conference play going into week five you say one and one as if that's a foregone conclusion if you remember the appalachian state north carolina game last year 63 61 came down to the very last play of of regulation somehow i I don't know what to expect out of that game. It's very <laughs> possible that Appalachian State goes into uh, North Carolina and beats them at Chapel There's Hill. nothing – there's literally nothing predictable about Appalachian State. <laughs> it is not fun predicting anything to do with them because going back to their FCS days, you had no idea what they were going to do. Just ask right, Michigan. Were... <laughs> Thank you. I needed that today. I need that every day. <laughs> if we could get somebody to join our Discord link, of course, in the description of the podcast, uh, and just post in there nothing but once a day, just post like 2007 Appalachian State. That's all you need to say. <laughs> I will be forever indebted to you. I'm just going to set up a bot to do it. <laughs> I would pay for a bot to do that in our Discord. <laughs> Uh, but I do want to shout out Nick Ross specifically at safety for Appalachian State as well. This defense is no joke. They lose Nick Hampton, who was one of the best players in the entire Sun Belt last year at edge rusher, but their defense is still very solid. I am hoping for a big step up from DeAndre Dingle Prince at defensive end. They need that edge rush presence. Uh, they, again, losing Nick Hampton, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, but if he can step up and become that next edge rusher for them, this defense won't miss a beat. That is assuming a lot for DeAndre Dingle Prince, but I think he can do it. I think so too. Let's move on to the Chanticleers, which if you look up what a Chanticleer is, you're welcome. Yes. (laughs) Uh, They are coached by first-year man Tim Beck. Uh, for some reason, 
that's that's what I can say there. Coming over from his offensive coordinator position at NC State uh, to replace the outgoing Jamie Chadwell, who left for more money at Liberty, uh, which I understand, but also it is sad to see him go, especially when we get the anemic Tim Beck offense in its place, uh, because which is that, this, this system is going to be so different that yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Coastal Carolina is actually going to be very good this year. Grayson McCall was so much fun to watch last year, and he's he's getting his wings clipped. It's just not – I hope Tim Beck comes out and does something completely out of character. I hope that's what yeah. happens. Uh, but I think what we're, we're running into and what we're seeing here is just CCU does not know how to have a football program yet. They, got, they caught lightning in a bottle with Jamie right. Chadwell, and now they've, they've – hit an impasse where they've had to make their first decision and it definitely feels like they made the wrong one. Yeah. And that's nothing against Tim Beck as like a, as a person. And he has had good coaching stints elsewhere in the past, but he made Devin Leary look pretty bad last year at NC state uh, ended up transferring to Kentucky and maybe he can do something again with his career revitalized, but Tim Beck made him look pretty bad. And Grayson McCall, if you'll recall from, recall McCall from a couple seasons ago um, there was speculation he would transfer to a bigger program he, and he released a statement that said uh, he pisses teal he ain't going anywhere so he and is doctors still... around the country said man you should get that checked out and he said no <laughs> he said I pissed teal out of my Chanticleer and, <laughs> and he ain't going anywhere for a power five school, even if his head coach leaves, Jamie Chadwell is gone, has been there the entire time with Grace McCall. Uh, but yeah, Grace McCall is still my favorite quarterback in this conference. Um, Easily. I think he is for everybody. Yeah. I don't know that another quarterback in this conference comes close, honestly, which feels weird to say. Cause like, I don't think he's that amazing, but also um, the Sun Belt isn't exactly known for its quarterbacks. (laughs) Yeah, I I wonder how much of it was the excitement of Jamie Chadwell's offense. And it's definitely going to be – we spent a decent amount of time talking about this, but it's going to be a significant trial by fire when your first game is against uh, UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, big time. Uh, also, again, I know how much I talk about middle linebackers. Uh, JT Killen's very good and is the linchpin of this defense. I don't only talk about middle linebackers, but when I do, I have to bring it up because I talk <laughs> about them so often. Uh, I have a very obvious bias. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to Georgia Southern. I'm going to let you myth. cook on Georgia Southern for a second while I go take care of Dorito. And we'll probably get another Bearded Dragon uh, segment here. I'll be right back. Very exciting. <laughs> to catch the Bearded Dragon segments, it's best to be watching live on Twitch, by the way, at Big Dudes in the Trenches on Twitch. Uh, but heading into Georgia Southern here, their head coach, Clay Helton, is in for his second season. You may remember Clay Helton from his stint at USC where he was just kicked out for reasons. Uh, Not exactly a culture fit in L.A., I guess. But he came down to Georgia Southern and had a 
pretty solid first showing six and seven with a bowl loss doesn't sound like a whole lot but also georgia southern not exactly the like a powerhouse after coming up to the fbs level one of the greatest fcs programs of all time but after coming up to the fbs been some struggles Clay Helton comes in, makes them at least solid, at least like a a strong team down Georgia Southern. And I would expect pretty similar results this season. Looking out for running back Jalen White, cornerback Mark Stampley II, very solid back there in the defensive back room. Uh, Khalil Crowder at right guard was one of my considerations on the interior of that offensive line for the Group of Five All-America squad. And there are just some some things working in the correct direction for Georgia Southern. Again, probably like a at best you're competing for bowl contention, but I think that might also somehow be worst case scenario. Like I don't I don't know that you really have a bad team here. You're probably not competing for the Sun Belt title either. It's this feels very much like a six and sixteen in the purest sense of the word, which would be <laughs> exactly how they went last year, too. So it makes sense, right? right. Uh, I guess got, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, they've got a pretty interesting uh non conference schedule opening against the Citadel, who's got at least fresh new uniforms. We'll see if that results in better play on the field. It feels like it's been a while since the Citadels mattered. UAB, Wisconsin, and Ball State rounding out that non-conference schedule. I'm excited to see how they stack up, though. This is a team that gets written off a lot, and rightfully so because of its history, but it's also one that's been on the come-up, as Doug has said here already. Definitely, definitely. Uh, at Wisconsin, going to be crazy tough, though. Whew. Bounce around, baby. <laughs> Moving on to Georgia State, the Panthers down there in Georgia. Sean Elliott in his seventh season now at the head spot of Georgia State. Uh, Four and eight last year, not very good. He's below 500 on his career so far at Georgia State, 34-38 in his career. At the same time, doesn't necessarily feel like a guy on the hot seat. Like this is a... This is a program that kind of knows where they're at right now and isn't willing to make more investment in the program than they already have to some extent is what it feels like from the outside looking in anyway. I'm sure they would not like me saying that, but also that's kind of what I'm seeing. Uh, so <laughs> I don't I just, know if you have a different perspective on them, but I, I, don't, I don't think Sean Elliott's really going to catch much heat for even – like a three-win season is what it feels no, like. And, and, right and that's what's depressing for them and Georgia Southern. There is a lot of good football in Georgia. I mean, look, our national champion of Division One FBS is out of Georgia, and they were dominant. And then you've got two FCS schools, or FBS group of five schools, rather, that just don't get anything done. And this team's in the heart of Georgia. They're playing in the Braves' old stadium. It's been fully converted for football to preserve that history of Turner field and being the Olympic stadium back from 96. And now you've got a team that needs to start living up to that, right? They need to start doing something important because it it is really a shame here that 
it's just not there it's it's not an inspiring program i think is probably the the easiest most concise way to say it and i really do look at their schedule and see potential for a two three win season which is not ouch. good yeah uh they it's it's never good when you are the sec cupcake game and you're a group of five school have yeah. fun in death valley yeah yeah, good luck with that, Georgia State. I don't envy you. <laughs> I I don't either, and it's embarrassing that you're you're the cupcake. Ugh. Next up, though, is very much so not a cupcake, even though they are still ineligible for a bowl game because there's such a recent addition to the FBS from the FCS. We're of course talking about James Madison out of Virginia. Uh, Kurt Signetti is a crazy name for a guy who looks as nerdy as he does, but you know he's he, he, he's hanging in there, head coach, Nas- national championship coach. I mean, yes, yeah. What JMU has been at the FCS level is kind of it felt like the dominance that Georgia Southern had, and when they were at the FCS level. And for them to come up to the same conference as Georgia Southern, a lot of people were rightly concerned that James Madison was going to struggle at the FBS level. Come out the gates as hot as they did. I mean, oh my goodness, eight and three. It is ridiculous that this rule is on the back end of them coming up, and it pisses me off to no end. I know. I know. They had six wins in the conference alone. Like, this is a legitimately solid squad right now now i will say they had a couple of offensive pieces that were seniors they're no longer with the program but on the same token this defensive line is now seniors and holy shit they're phenomenal and probably the best defensive line in the entire conference james carpenter at nose and isaac ukwu ukwu at defensive end ukwu uh, <laughs> It's just a great combination. And Taurus Jones behind him. Wow. This is a scary front seven for James Madison. And still, no team that catches your eye will play them. They're stuck playing Bucknell, Virginia, Utah State. I mean, nobody wants a piece of them to this day. It's the NCAA needs to fucking change this rule, or at the very least, if they're bowl eligible again and they don't get in, I might boycott bowl season. And I I love bowl season. I fucking love bowl season. But I might boycott it. I'm pissed. We will consider boycotting bowl season. We will have a strong think. <laughs> we'll see how far that goes. <laughs> It'll last until uh, the second game, probably. It'll last until Memphis comes on. Eh, in the the second or third game because they went six and six again (laughs) anyway yes uh yeah i i would not at all be surprised if james madison has another really shockingly great great season and that doesn't mean they have to compete for the conference title like i don't expect them to be necessarily one of the top two teams in this entire conference but to be eight and three last year 
you know, translate that to a full 12 game schedule. If they, if they finish eight and four, nine and three, that is unreal. I mean, I cannot ask for anything better out of Kurt Signetti and what he has done for JMU. Right. I, he's the reason they're up at the FBS level. And I, God, I hope he doesn't get scooped up by somebody else. I really hope he doesn't. And it, Concerns me every year that he continues to have success that he will. What does Doritos makes... think about JMU? No, no. What do you think about JMU? He seems very content. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Moving on. on to Marshall. I love this picture of Charles Huff. Uh this was is, this was this when they would beat Notre Dame? It is when they beat Notre Dame. I see the Notre Dame logo in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, this is like one of his two faces that he makes. The other one's the only only time the serious face comes out. It's like when portraits are being done of him. So if I got any action shot of Charles Huff here, it was going to be him with a huge ass smile, which is <laughs> I just love it so much. And deserved um, <laughs> after that beating they put on Notre Dame. It wasn't even it wasn't even like Notre Dame lost the game. Marshall won that game and they oh, won yeah. it huge. Yeah. Uh they did so with a combination of running backs in the backfield. They will no longer have Kale and Laybourne is gone. They do keep the second of those two, Rasheen Ali. Honestly, I'm just gonna come out and say it. I like Rasheen Ali even better uh, as a as a lightning and thunder last year. Such a deadly combination. But, dang, give the reins straight up to Rasheen Ali. This is still going to be a very, very potent running attack, especially with a solid offensive line in front of them. You know, left tackle and center locked down with some experience and good experience at that. Ethan Driscoll and Logan Osborne up front highlighted here. Uh, also, I do want to say the back end of that defense is going to be a little bit weaker because they lose Stephen Gilmore, Stefan's younger brother. Yes, they are that far apart in age. Uh, but Mike Abraham on the other side of Stephen Gilmore last year was honestly better than Stephen Gilmore, and he returns. So they are technically weaker, but damn it, Mike Abraham is still really, really good. And I do not want to throw against Marshall even now. All right. <laughs> Bug is uh, not talking. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> If you are talking, you're muted. Just uh, just put it that way. Let's let's figure this out, Bug. Where are you at? Um, I I was confused initially by the move to the Sun Belt by Marshall. I thought it was Dorito muted me. That's what it was through my All computer. Right. I'll I'll be back. She's in trouble now. Wow, that's that's great. She jumped uh, out of my hand and muted me. <laughs> like, computer muted me. There's no way you're going to hear me, no matter what I did. That's that's hilarious. Uh, 
wrapping up my thoughts about Marshall, I just I thought their move to the Sun Belt was an interesting decision, interesting timing. I didn't understand it, but it kind of feels like they fit way better in this conference even than in Conference USA. Uh, West Virginia is that kind of weird middle ground where who knows where exactly they go in conference alignment. But with JMU kind of right next to them, and with the some of those southern teams that they fit culture wise, actually the Sun Belt has been a great fit for them so far. Same conversation when they hired had their new head coach Charles Huff, the running backs coach out of Alabama. How does this make sense at all? Are they only doing this because of Alabama ties? Are they doing this because he has recruited some great running backs before? What exactly does that mean for being a head coach? Uh, Charles Huff has proven me wrong, completely, completely wrong. And I see Marshall as one of the best teams in this conference, uh, nine and four last year with a win against Connecticut in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Yeah, Marshall is Marshall is just straight up solid. Go ahead and jumping to Old Dominion while we're still bugless here. Uh, Ricky Rain is the head coach. Fourth season for Ricky Rain. Not exactly a great start to his career. Uh, nine and sixteen so far. Three and nine last year. I don't expect a ton out of this offense. If I'm being honest with you, Jason Henderson, on the other hand, is one of the best linebackers in the entire country, regardless of level of football group of five power five anything i would take jason henderson in a heartbeat for my team and i don't know how far that takes him like i i can't really peg my expectations for old dominion i have no idea uh, a couple of big acc games for him in the early going also let's be honest a win against texas a&m commerce but this conference schedule for Old Dominion, it's going to be tough. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see. Uh, I don't see a great season ahead for Old Dominion. I, I hate saying that; it feels so harsh. But also, I if they're competing for bowl eligibility, I will be pleasantly surprised. I am rooting for Ricky Rain and Old Dominion. Uh, the history of this program coming back to life is awesome. But, yeah, it's uh, it's tough goings for Old Dominion the past couple of years. Arkansas State up next. I really hope Bug comes back for this one because we got Butch Jones on the screen. Fuck that, man. <laughs> Great timing. Yeah, Bush Jones in his third season at Arkansas State. Uh, again, like Ricky Rain, not a very good start to his tenure in the Sun Belt. But, hey, he's trying. <laughs> it's it's something, I guess. <laughs> his offense this year for Arkansas State will be headlined by a couple of big-time transfers. JT Shrout is coming in formerly from Tennessee. Uh, 2019, I believe, 2020, 
he played for Tennessee uh, as like a third string guy. And then if I remember correctly, he went to Wake Forest after that. Now I'm doubting myself. No, it was Colorado. It was Colorado. And he technically, I remember this now, he technically led the team in passing yards last season, but he only had like 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns, eight interceptions, something like that. Like not exactly great. Looking for a way to turn around his career. If he can do so here, it will be mainly passing to Corey Rucker, who started his career at Arkansas State, transferred to the South Carolina Gamecocks for one year, had one catch for 52 yards and a touchdown, and then decided to come on back to Arkansas State. So (laughs) I'm hoping that it, it sticks this time and maybe... Maybe a little bit better result for him with quarterback JT Shroud. <laughs> here's here's the thing with Arkansas State is they they're another team that's boom or bust, and that's kind of been their their offense for a while, which is unfortunate because I don't know that they really have the talent to continue doing it. And it, it's even more impressive to me that Butch Jones was pushing through going in his style but he's been able to just kind of keep the tide, keep, you know, keep the ways going at Arkansas state. And I'm curious, very, very curious how much they're going to be able to get things done and push forward doing it this year. It always seems like this team, everybody, I feel like counts them out a little bit. Everybody's like, Oh, they're not gonna be as good as they have been. And then what do you know? They pull out another, you know, six, win season, six and a half, you know, seven, one season and end up in uh, a bowl game. But with Butch Jones, they haven't been able to do it. It just seems like they can't get the bounces to go their way. And it's not that it's not that they're not good. They've they've been in a lot of a lot of these games. The past two seasons against Memphis, it's been very close, could have gone either way. And man, I I don't know what to think about this team. I really don't. They get another punching bag appearance. Last year they played Ohio State. This year they play Oklahoma. Uh, kind of some rough non-conference scheduling there. But, of course, they do play Memphis and then an FCS school. Hopefully they can beat Stony Brook. We'll see. At this point, I don't know what to think of the Butch Jones tenure. Anything's possible. <laughs> it's it's just unfortunate for Arkansas State because, like I said, they've – they could win th- – they're more confusing a team to pick than Wyoming. They're more confusing a team to pick than really anybody because they legitimately could win every game they're in, and they just – they haven't with Bush. They Joe. just don't. <laughs> they could <laughs> legitimately be good, and they just aren't. So. But but at least they're the champions of life. That is think I was, the most important you think, thing. You didn't think I was going to let a chance to bring that joke up, did you? I wanted you on the pod for Butch Jones. That's that's all I'll say. <laughs> it brings me great joy that he has shrug- his struggles have continued. And at some point, you got to figure it's probably just fucking him. I yeah, probably. How how did? <sighs> Never mind. It was worth a shot for Arkansas State. Like I understand the decision. Same same as Barry Odom to UNLV. Right, you got to try it. <laughs> if it uh, Barry, works, it looks great. 
Barry Odom at least had some success at Mizzou. Butch Jones has had success in his career at some points. Not recently, but it's not as head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, which brings me great joy. <laughs> but to see it now affecting another team is somewhat depressing. Let's jump to Louisiana. Uh, their head coach is not delivery. He's DeJormo. <laughs> Michael DeJormo. <laughs> His second season as a head coach of the Raging Cajuns. Very fitting. Love it so much. Uh, They are headlined by some very French names. Peter LeBlanc, Cam Pettichlow. (laughs) That's not how you pronounce it at all, but it's fine. Uh, A very, very southern white kid. Sonny Hazard. Love it so much. This is is such a Louisiana squad. The best thing about all of this is you look at the record initially and you're like, man, this team fell off. They're not as Mm -hmm. good as they were. They lost it when they lost their head coach. Not so fast. They did lose the Independence Bowl to Houston, who had a massive turnaround for their season last year. But it was a Lee Corso talking about the Raging Cage. Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) It was an exciting game. It was a close game, and – Again, we I've talked about it a couple times on this episode and the previous episode. How do these teams really stack up outside of their conference is what kind of makes or breaks a conference, right? And for them to put up such a good game against Houston, unfortunate they didn't win. But I don't think anybody has anything to worry about with Louisiana. Everybody should have expected them to be a little down last year, 6-6 six and six through the regular season, of course. Which is not even that bad. I mean – they made a bowl game and they looked which all is, right doing it. They made a bowl game, which is their floor. But after the last couple seasons where it was just so exciting, everybody wanted to watch a Raging Cajuns game. I get right. where there was some frustration and disappointment, but I don't think you have any reason to to worry about this team or uh, you know doubt them going into this season. And their non conference slate is much more forgiving. This year, I would say it's, they trade in Florida State for Minnesota, which, you know, that's it is an easier game. Let's call it like it is. Uh, yeah, Buffalo instead I'm of curious. Yeah, I'm you know, curious East, how at East, I guess East Michigan last year, but still, I'm curious how at UAB is going to go for him, though. That could be an interesting one. Yeah, true, true. Not too unfamiliar of an opponent. They've, they've seen each other pretty recently, I believe. But uh, definitely uh, some new new trappings for the, the new American squad, UAB. Right. And they, uh, <laughs> you know, Louisiana, they finish out their season with their rival and the next team we're going to talk about here, ULM, who has been nothing but disappointing pretty much the entire time I've known that they've had a fucking football team. But they have a head coach who wears a shirt and tie on the sidelines. That's phenomenal. Also, if you follow the Sickos committee on Twitter, you will recognize Terry Bowden for his most influential contribution to the head coaching discussion. Terry Bowden units. Uh, he is TBUs. Unfortunately for him, he's the lowest paid Division One head coach. And therefore, it shows. head coaching contract. Every other head coaching contract gets measured in Terry Bowden units by the Sickos. 
and it's it's a great time <laughs> for us at least. Probably not for Terry. Probably Bowie. not for him. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably <a> motherfucker. <laughs> uh, my favorite part of this offense is probably their tight end, Zach Rasmussen. That is not a great place to be, you know. Also, yeah. their defense uh, is going to get us in trouble if we talk about the some of the names down there. Just go watch the uh, the video. Um, I'm yep. not taking the chance of saying these names. Well, the Tristan air. and Carlin are very good defensive players. Uh, yes, if you're not watching us live, I recommend checking out the video on YouTube because... Those are some names right there. I don't even want to be accidentally misunderstood. Right? Uh, yep. <laughs> Do we think they win more than four games this year? I think that's where we end up with this. And I don't know that they do. To me, that depends on the success of presumptive starting quarterback, Jaya Wright, who has thrown 20 passes in his collegiate career so far. Um, if he can come out the gates as a legitimate starting caliber quarterback, at least for the Sun Belt level, I think they have a great shot. They have some good weapons on the outside. And I do like what Terry Bowden has done with this offense. They play much more aggressively than I've seen ULM play ever. I mean – there are some traits that you like about the direction of this team, but they're so unproven. I don't know how to answer that, I guess is my main point. Uh, if, if their quarterback can come out the gate hot, sure. But there's no way to know that. <laughs> Just at unfortunate. all. It is, it is very unfortunate because – I feel like they've got such history around the program. Right. They're, they're, it's a very proud program for sure, and it's just disappointing that there's nothing exciting about this team. They do play two SEC schools in the non-conference, and I expect one of those to be a win because it's at Texas A&M, and Texas A&M loves losing to Sunbelt squads. So, But then they get the the honor of being the cupcake at Old Miss uh, yeah. in Week 11. So. Hey, that's, you, that's win, tough you, one, but you win some, you lose some. Going to College Station gets you some memories, boys. That's what this is all about. <laughs> let's USA, let's USA, USA. All right, I'm good. Yeah, the team that shows up is USA. My dad and I were watching the Combine together this year, which he doesn't normally care about the Combine. He was only doing it to support me. Thank you, Dad. Appreciate it. Uh, but... There was a player from South Alabama on the screen, a wide receiver who I can't remember his name right now, and I can't believe I can't remember his name. Uh, but it just said his name, USA, across the bottom of the screen for the for the draft. And my dad's like, so he just didn't go to school? He just, <laughs> he's, he's, he's an American? That's all we get? Uh, it's like, no, that's South Alabama. Jalen Wayne. Oh my gosh. I had to look that up. All right. Daryl Luter too. 
oh my gosh, they're losing out on a couple of big name guys for that program. At the same time, let's talk about the guys they actually have. LaDamian Webb is a very fun running back to watch. And in that defensive back room, Yam Banks killing it back there. Six interceptions last year. And he was only a sophomore. If we can get some more development out of Yam Banks, this is a pretty scary defense to be passing against. Their leading tackler from last season is also a safety. He is also returning to the team, and I didn't include him because I wanted to talk about Trey Kaiser and Yam Banks back there. Like, this is a really solid defense, and the big man up front, the nose tackle in his shirt and tie because he wanted to, even though the rest of the teams in, like, just pullovers for their team pictures. What a beast. Waikivius Thomas. Love it. Uh, this is a – I already said James Madison is probably the best defensive line in the conference. Best overall defense in the conference for me has to go to South Alabama. I, I'm very curious what this team is going to be able to do this year too because it seems like they've put – a bunch of pieces together. They built a very nice squad. Two years ago, they were five and seven. Last year, they lost by one point at UCLA and then by four at home against Troy. Those were the only two regular season losses. And Western Kentucky is an amazing team. They really elevate Conference USA, but unfortunately, they're the only team elevating Conference USA, right? Right, right. So we're going to – and it was almost a month after their last game of the season. We'll call it a wash. I have no clue how to talk about this team as far as what they're going to do this year because I could see it going even better and then competing for the conference championship, and I could see it reverting back. I I have no idea which way this is going to go. That's true, but I feel like last year was also built on this defense, and as much as they are losing a great corner in Daryl Luter, they're returning most of their important pieces on this defense, honestly. And yeah, Carter Bradley is the question mark, right? Of course, if you have an unproven quarterback, that's kind of a, my shoe in Well, we need to talk about the guy because if he does well, that decides the fate of this team, but also like it's very possible that Carter Bradley sucks and they still win nine games because of the strength of this defense. Yeah. <laughs> like Defense wins championships, I, and it might pay off for them this year. And they do play in divisions still in the Sun Belt, which is why we jumped from Old Dominion to Arkansas State, if we're going alphabetically. Um, but out of the West, it – it comes down to two teams out West and South Alabama is the one returning way more talent. We'll talk about the the next one in a bit, but I'm just, I'm going to spoil it right now. I'm taking South Alabama to win the West in this conference. Like it's, it's a shoe in, in my opinion. And I know that's crazy to say, especially in a, a conference as fickle as the Sun Belt can be. And as wild as every week to week can be here. South Alabama is so good on that side of the ball. And a lot of credit has to go to Kane Womack for the reason you've already talked about, that turnaround so quickly 
Oh my gosh, there's no way I, I talk about South Alabama this much this positively. <laughs> just I had yourself. <laughs> I had to do a double take when I not just only saw their record today and as I've been reviewing uh the notes and stuff, but as I looked at them last year and saw that they kept winning, people were like, oh, they're a good team. I'm like, no, they're not. What are you talking about? And they flew under the radar because they are in the Sun Belt, because they are in a group of five conference. But this team, they proved to be a force to be reckoned with this year or last year. Yeah, definitely. Definitively. But let's go ahead and jump to Southern Miss, head coach by another shirt and tie head coach. Love to see it. Will Hall heading into his third season here. Uh, made a bowl game last season, going 500 in the regular season and 500 in the conference. Uh, very 500 year for him. But they did win the bowl game, which take them, takes them to seven and six overall. That bowl game performance is the reason Frank Gore Jr. made my group of five All-America squad. And the reason he's the first name on this slide, he plays a lot like his dad. It's got to be said. He is a bruiser. He runs hard between between the guards. Forget between the tackles. Between the guards. <laughs> this man is right up the gut. He will power his way for four yards. And he does that so well that Southern Miss wins several games that way. But if you can add some speed to that, now that becomes terrifying. That combination of power and speed is the reason that the Tennessee Titans win any games in the NFL. That combination of power and speed is the reason Southern Miss beat Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl when he ran for over 300 yards. Uh-oh. He was on a roll, too, and it looks like we might have lost him. That's depressing. I'm going to pull him out here for a minute. There is nothing negative really to say about Frank Gore Jr. And a lot of people, if you aren't familiar with him, will definitely be like, oh, he's just Frank Gore's kid. He is so much more than that. It's almost to the point where I feel bad for Cole Cavallo. I feel bad for Jaquan Scott because their offense is so centered around Frank Gore Jr. The comparisons already been made to the Tennessee Titans. You, of course, know who we're talking about there the Derrick Henry comparisons. I'm intrigued to see how Southern Miss can do this year, though. They, they're they too up and down for my liking, which is disappointing in a lot of different ways. But it's also just what we have to live with, unfortunately. it's It is the state of their program. Seven and six, nothing to scoff at, like T or Doug mentioned, with that win at the Lending Tree Bowl over Rice. I got to say, I'm a huge fan of what they got going on here at Southern Miss. I'm curious to see if they're able to improve on it, though. I'm not as uh, familiar, especially with the defensive side of the ball here. So, unfortunately, Jalen Williams, Avery Habas, and Jay Stanley, I'm going to have to skip over you guys just a touch here. We'll see if Doug comes back and if we're able to uh, circle back and maybe give you guys the love that you deserve because I certainly can't do it justice the way that you deserve. We'll move right along to Texas State with 
new head coach, Will Hall, or whew, new head coach, GJ Kinney. Yeah, we've been we've been going for a minute here live, folks. Uh, this is a team that it just feels like they consistently underperform. They they've gone through a couple different changes. Malik Hornsby, as I already mentioned, uh, coming in at quarterback, presumed starter here, which has been a position that's been a bit of a hot potato for the Bobcats. And when you're sitting here in San Marcos, not too far away from San Antonio, you see all the great things UTSA is doing, and they're already your rival. It makes all of this so much more difficult to stomach with just underperforming. I think there's a lot of pressure that's going to be put on Malik Hornsby and on G.J. Kinney going into this season because, frankly, this team and their their prestige, their position, you would think they'd have had a little bit more of a leash for their previous head coach, but not in Texas and not when, as I mentioned, your rival UTSA is doing all the things they're doing. It's I don't know that this is a good position for anybody to be coming into at Texas State. Expectations are high for seemingly no reason. I will say the reason expectations are high is because of G.J. Kinney coming in and the success that he had at Incarnate Word, where he just, I don't know, came out of nowhere and had a phenomenal season. He's like 20 years old and is a beast. So <laughs> that's probably where all of the excitement for Texas State's coming from. Because, yeah, they haven't earned that uh, excitement in recent history. Uh, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> it's It's been a while. I would love to see uh... – I would love to see this game against UTSA mean something. I really would. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't see that happening this year, but I think that can happen pretty quickly with G.J. Kinney, assuming he can keep up the success. And it, I want to say, too, that's assuming that the success he had at UIW was actually his own. Like, there's been a string of very – high profile now head coaches coming out of UIW uh, for the head coach before him left for the offensive coordinator job at Washington state and Cam Ward went with him. Right. And then GJ Kinney gets promoted and brings in Lindsey Scott jr. Has another phenomenal season and GJ Kinney leaves after a single year to go to the FBS level, Texas state. Maybe it's a formula that can actually work. You know, this is honestly a similar formula to what Western Kentucky has tried to do. Bring in a couple of high-profile transfers. Let's see if we can make them work in a new scheme, a new system that we know works for the guys that we like. And if Malik Hornsby works for G.J. Kinney's system the same way that Lindsey Scott worked for G.J. Kinney's system, yeah, this team is going to be awesome out of nowhere, seemingly. I doubt that's going to happen to be honest with I, you i do but, think i do think that quarterback's been their biggest it's been what's been holding them back the most though they it, it seems like they continue to bring in transfers at some point you got to figure they got to bring in one of their own guys and maybe they're thinking gj kenny's going to be the guy to figure this out or get the right transfer in with malik hornsby it's 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 a it's not a good look it's not good for for texas state unfortunately yeah, and unfortunately, like Southern Miss, Texas State has a defense worth glossing over. 
So let's go ahead and jump to <laughs> the other team out west that I think really is in contention for this division, and that is last year's Sunbelt champions, the Troy Trojans. They did beat Coastal Carolina last year in the championship game, and they beat UTSA in the Cure Bowl, that team we were just talking about, as the rival to Texas State. Uh, very one-sided rivalry there. <laughs> but Troy and UTSA had a hell of a battle, mostly a defensive one at that. Uh, unfortunately for Troy, their leading tackler of the past, I don't know, three seasons, I believe, Carlton Marshall is no longer with the program after he graduated and hopefully gets a pro, uh, pro shot somewhere. Uh, might not be in the NFL because he's five foot eight, still taller than Tug, but you know, we'll see, <laughs> see what happens. Shots fired. Uh, other than Grayson McCall. You'd have to think Gunnar Watson is like the the best quarterback in this conference. Even as I say that, another shout out to the Sickos on Twitter, Sickos Committee, their Detmer ratings for just uh, dudes who sling it. Interception to touchdown ratio, just dead even. Throws for a hell of a lot of yards, but also does it very disgustingly. That is Gunnar Watson to a T, man. Uh, it is not necessarily the same level of passing efficiency as you'd expect from other high-profile passing teams. At the same time, Gunnar Watson is more than serviceable and does make this offense run. And John Summerall heading into his second season here. His first season on the job, he wins the conference. His second season. Uh, a lot of expectations and still a lot of unknowns for me. What does his scheme actually look like on both sides of the ball? I don't think we even know that yet. This is his second season as a head coach. Yeah, and this is another team too, and this is why the Sun Belt's so fun, right? Troy, everybody knows Troy. It feels like they have been the punching bag of the SEC more than a handful of times. But to see them have a 12-2 and two season, and yes, they did lose to an SEC team last year. They went to Ole Miss to open the season. I don't. I wonder if that game would have been week five where they played Western Kentucky instead, who, by the way, they beat and South Alabama was unable to do. That's a different, you know, we kind of covered that a little bit. Gave Alabama, South Alabama a few alibis for that. But I think if they go to Ole Miss in week five, they probably win that game. It was a 10 to 28 loss at Oxford. Both teams feeling each other out. And of course, Ole Miss has the better talent. They're the SEC school. They've thrown a lot more money at their players than Troy is able to do. Now we can say that in the era. I know. I know. I, and it's, and it's <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the truth. A four point loss to App State. Again, we, we talked about App State's just kind of a wild card, and they're continuing to be a wild card. Here you go. This is, this is the proof in the pudding right here to go out there and beat the uh, eventual conference champion to open the season and then finish three and five in the conference. Wild. Wild. They didn't make it any easier on themselves. Non-conference this year. They're heading to a new Year's six bowl champion, Kansas state in week two. Good luck. And they play Western Kentucky again. At uh, home who, this time though. 
Yeah, but we also expect Western Kentucky to be very good. So we'll see what happens with Troy. This I do think this defense will take a little bit of a step back, which is probably the reason I've already said I'm taking South Alabama to win the West. Um, at the same time, the back end of this defense is phenomenal. I'm wondering, this is a random thought that I haven't thought about until right now. So I wanted to you know, be interesting to get your take on this too. If we take the front seven from James Madison and the defensive back room from Troy, is that combination better than South Alabama just as is? Yeah, probably. It's it's close. I think you got an all-conference, first all-conference team going on there. <laughs> I don't know. The fact that that's a thought that popped in my head legitimately is uh, scary. Uh, or should be if you're an offense that has to play against South Alabama. <laughs> Man, that's fun to think about. Anyway, <laughs> our top three non-conference games that we haven't talked about yet because we're saving them for this. Uh, starting off the season, week one, Army at Louisiana Monroe. Just feels like a great litmus test for what we can expect out of ULM this year. If they can hold their own against Army, if they can beat Army, I think that's a great sign for the Warhawks. If not, and maybe that doesn't even look that bad for the Warhawks. I mean, Army's been pretty solid the past few seasons. And maybe that one TBU is warranted if they can't do, you know, if they fail to perform in this one again. Uh, it's tough when you don't play a triple option team every year, so it's going to be interesting to see how, they, how they're able to navigate this one. seems like Army's been down – a little bit the past couple of years, at least. No, they've been they've been really good. They just haven't beaten Air Force. <laughs> Tug will appreciate that you said that. <laughs> yeah, and because they don't have a conference to play for, the Commander in Chief's Trophy is the only thing that people can remember them for if they win it or not. And if that's, they're not winning fair. it, then it's like a bad season. So that's they fair. went they win nine games and lose to Air Force and Navy. It's they look like so bad here. <laughs> uh, September 16, Wake Forest at Old Dominion. I thought this was going to be strength on strength, offense on defense, but it was Sam Hartman transferring out. I don't know what to think of this Wake Forest offense. This might actually be a really good game in favor of the Monarchs, as crazy as that would have sounded a year or two ago with right. how great the Demon Deacons have been playing. Um, so maybe – Maybe this is a great start to year four of the Ricky Rain monarchy with the old mini monarchs. I had to. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> and we're going to move on. Uh, the end of September, another big time non-conference game. Uh, Virginia Tech is headed to Marshall in Huntington, West Virginia here. I would be terrified of having to go to Marshall after <laughs> after, after what, what they, they did, did at to... Notre Dame last year. Yeah. I know. I'm not making I that know. trip. Uh, and Virginia Tech ain't Notre Dame. As much as we shit on Notre Dame sometimes, Virginia Tech still ain't Notre Dame. Yep. So... 
I think this could be a big time, just a stamp on the arrival of Marshall as a legitimate threat. You know, if you're a power five team, don't schedule the thundering herd. Uh, this is a, it's a rallying cry. I haven't heard since, I don't know. <laughs> they were division one AA. <laughs> that's, that's the last time everybody was afraid of them. So if they that's can get back to that, it'd be great. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how it works out for him. I think they're going to continue to have the success that they had last year. I don't I don't see any reason to suspect that they will have any sort of drop-off here. I definitely have my eye on this game as well. And Marshall, they've been they've been very quiet and very uninteresting. They kind of showed the whole college football world that they're back with that win against Notre Dame last year. You want to talk about a statement win? That was it, and that that tells me all I need to know about this program going into this season. With that, though, there's a couple teams that have told us a lot about themselves going into this season. And we do have yeah. divisions here. So yeah. we have to pick division winners. Well, we can start with the West because you've already tipped your pick that you're going with South Alabama. I had Troy penciled in, but you've really talked me out of that. But I also don't want to go with South Alabama because I don't trust them. So I'm going to go fair. And I, I don't even trust the offense for South Alabama. I just like the defense so much. Kind of the same as Troy last year, honestly. I seem to remember picking Troy to win at least the West. I don't know if I picked him to win the conference. I mean, that felt crazy. Even at the time, I was trying to make a wild pick for the West. But I remember thinking that defensive line for Troy is just definitively the best in the conference. I have to pick them. But that's kind of what I'm doing with South Alabama. At the same time, Troy's offense last year was more inspiring than South Alabama's offense this year. So it's it's fair if you want to go a different direction. <laughs> Don't let me talk into them too much. I think I'm going to go fun. I'm going to go with the fun pick here. I'm going to go with Louisiana. Ooh. Because why not? I think they've got the pieces here. I'm, I'm interested to see – what Michael Dormu, Jormu, there we go. I'm interested to see what he's able to do. Frankly, a six and six performance last year exceeded my expectations for this team. They've got potential, I think, to outperform that and be in that conference, uh, in that conference championship discussion. So you're saying DeJormo delivers a division title. <laughs> he delivers for me. And in that same vein. As I'm going fun for the West champion, I'm going fun for the East champion. I think you already know which way I'm heading with this. JMU, furthermore stating that if they win this conference and don't go to a bowl game, I'm boycotting bowl season. Let's do it, JMU. Let's go do that would be That would be incredible, first of all. Second of all, uh, I don't agree with that pick, so that's, that's cool. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, the the conference title game of South Alabama against Marshall, uh, which is probably the safer pick and probably means that it, it's the least likely to happen. So it is, it is definitely <laughs> the safer pick. And out of that, honestly, I yeah, it was a 
complete coin flip to me in a conference championship game between those two. Um, mm, see, the biggest problem for me there, they're both really good at something that, you know, I like those defenses a lot, but what the offenses can do is run the ball really well. And South Alabama and Marshall, their weakest points on defense are in the run game. Their pass defense is so phenomenal that the defensive lines are not exactly perfect uh, for either squad. So it, it's very possible that we get a championship game where Rasheen Ali and LaDamian Webb both go for like 200 plus yards on the ground, <laughs> which would be just awesome. Um, Fuck it. I'll go South Alabama. I, 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 I don't know why. You did a whole lot of talking to do what I knew what you wanted to do in your heart from the start. Uh, no. uh, I know. <laughs> when I do when I do look at these games, or when I do look at these teams, I, I, I went fun with Louisiana, but when I stack them up against JMU, I do think it would actually be quite a good matchup. Yeah. <sighs> I want. I just. I'm going fun. I'm staying. I'm staying fun with the Sun Belt. That's what I think of when I think of the Sun Belt. I think of fun. So I'm going JMU. I want to see the chaos this creates for the NCAA. That's right. Fuck the NCAA. <laughs> oh, well, we got a pencil oh, in Tug's picks for him because he's not here. Um, so Tug would definitely, definitely have Texas State against Georgia State. And he's he's picking Georgia State in that matchup for sure. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm going to shit a brick when Texas State wins the fucking division. And Georgia yeah. State wins more than three games. I'm going to be like, oh, they're going to go into conference play undefeated. I'm going to be like, oh, Fuck. <laughs> Here they come. <coughs> and everyone who made it to the end of our Sun Belt preview will know the truth that Tug was right all along. That's, <laughs> that's where we're going to be. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in, folks. This has been another edition of the conference preview series for us big dudes in the trenches. Uh, only Bug and Doug with you today, but. You know, hopefully in the near future, we'll see Tug again. I don't know when that's going to be for sure. Uh, I think he's told us at some point, but who knows? Who knows? I I mostly miss that he's not here to do this. Go check out patreon.com backslash BDT football if you want to send us some money, help make the show a little bit better. Or you could also go check us out on twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches where we are live currently. And we are going to be live every monday and thursday going forward through the college football season at least and that's big dudes in the trenches all one word after the backslash there you can subscribe there and uh, send us a little money that way as well to help grow the show and make it better you can check us out on twitter.com backslash bdt football and same thing for facebook.com 
that needs a little bit of help as it is. Or you could go check us out on Instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football. Had to be a little bit different there. Somebody somebody already had BDT football. It makes me sad. You can also check out our website, BDTfootball.com. Send us an email to ask the question, mailbox at BDTfootball.com. But, oh, by the way, if you check out Twitch, if you check out our Twitch and you're there live, you can ask us questions live. And uh, we will answer them either in the text as we did for Goals Falcon here tonight or – we will address them live on the air if it's a more pressing college football-related question or really any football-related question. We'll, we'll derail the show for you. You can check us out. You can check out the video version if you are an audio-only listener at this time. You can go over to youtube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches and go watch the video. Go see our nice slides that we put a lot of effort into. We also have a Discord. Link is in the description. And it's been scrolling across the bottom of this episode if you want to try and type all that in yourself. Doug. Bug. Did you know panda bears eat up to 16 hours a day? Those are rookie numbers, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And again, again, uh, Two episodes in a row, if you're listening on audio. I definitely had something prepared for today, and I completely blanked on what it is. I had a joke for you. It's going to be a great time, but I fucked up. I completely forgot. Well, was it Tug's thing? Hell no. (laughs) I got it from here. We will see y'all later this week. Until then, peace out. Girl, I'm just